You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned afterward for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hi, everybody, and welcome. Welcome, everybody, from Mosaic South or Fort Worth, if you're joining in online today. Thrilled to have you. Uh, Our series in Ruth closes today, comes to a close. I know, but next week we'll be starting something brand new and taking a a look at a couple of New Testament letters that I've never taught through, we've never been through before here. It's first and second. Thessalonians. The series is called Living Out of a Living Hope. Living Out of a Living Hope, and we'll be looking at how, in specific, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything in our lives. All right, hope to see you there. But first, Friendship Can Save the World, part four. Here we go. Scripture reading is going to be from Ruth chapter four. Let's go. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took 10 men of the elders of a city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of a deceased, in order to raise up the name of a deceased on his inheritance. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. He went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor to women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And that's the reading of God's word today. All his people said, Amen. amen. Yeah. Hey, have you ever lived through a time where it seemed like everything around you was falling apart? There is, yes, we all have not too long ago. Like people were just losing their minds, behaving 
badly, only out for themselves and hurting lots of folks around them. Yeah, I think we all have it. And uh, this past week in the neighborhood in which I and my family live, something happened there that's been happening Unfortunately, in a number of neighborhoods all over the Austin area, there was an unnamed group that's been going through uh, these neighborhoods and distributing, it's terrible, white power propaganda. Yeah. They distribute paraphernalia with some slogans and some sayings and a website and some symbols and some plastic sandwich bags. And they've been dropped on porches and in yards and doorsteps all over Austin for months now. But this week, it finally hit ours. And of course, it's awful, terrible, wrong. Uh, Carrie went online and condemned it vociferously in our neighborhood group forum, and I reported it to the local police chief. But here's my question. What do we do when evil lands on our porch? What do we do when evil lands on our own porch? Uh, Back in 1300 BC, the nation of Israel, in the time of what's called the time of the judges, Israel was forced to ask and answer the same question because the last few chapters of the book of Judges, you may have read it, it ends with a shocking finale. I mean, it's so shocking, it's basically unreadable in church. It's unrepeatable in public. And as a result of that shocking thing that happened, Literal human body parts were chopped up and mailed and sent all over Israel onto people's porches and doorsteps. The the political system of the day was dysfunctional. The moral glue of the day was in decay. And therefore, the literal last line of the book of Judges is this. It reads, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And yet the very first line of the book of Ruth is this, in the days when the judges ruled. In other words, we're being told that the book of Ruth takes place against the backdrop of a terrible time and a nation in decay. Oh, but by the end of Ruth, we see something else happening. We see not just a few individuals, but we see a whole city stand up reject the evil on the porch, reject the hate trying to come into their community, and we see a whole city extend friendship and compassion to one another. How did they do that? How did they do that? How did one city shine while the rest of the world went dark? And how, more importantly perhaps, how can we do the same? How can we, no matter what happens out there, live a better story in here? Today we're going to see it's by making a series of three choices chapter four of Ruth presses us to make. It's the climax of the book and we can shine today, be a light in the dark by making number one, Boaz's choice, which is to lead into the light. Number two, by making Bethlehem's choice and look to the past. And finally, by making a choice of our own, which we'll take a look at and love into the future. But let's begin here. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Number one. All right. Let's see Boaz's choice. What was he supposed to choose? Well, let's recap the story if you're just joining us, as always. First time folks here today. Around 1300 again BC, a Jewish family, we read, flees a famine in their homeland in Israel and relocates as refugees to the hostile neighboring nation of Moab. And while they are there, Two sons in this Jewish family grow up and marry non-Jewish Moabite women 
named Orpah and Ruth. But tragedy found the family again, and the patriarch of the family, Elimelech, died. And shortly thereafter, the two sons died, leaving all three women now penniless and destitute. So Naomi, the matriarch, made the fateful decision to return to her homeland back in Bethlehem and to start a new life with her two surviving daughters-in-law. But while they were on the way, on the road from Moab to Israel, Orpah, one of the Moabite daughters-in-law, facing the reality of a multi-ethnic and multi-generational uncertain future, turns back and goes back home to her own culture, her own family, her own way of worship. But Ruth, by contrast, she perseveres. She swears to be faithful to Naomi. She turns away from idols and serves the one true God. And so Ruth and Naomi make it back home. And now Ruth does the only thing she knows how to do in order to survive. She goes out into the fields to glean scraps of grain that have fallen on the ground. And while she does this, we read last week, she met a man named Boaz, who just happened to be a close relative of her family's, which meant something special in Jewish culture. And part of our reading today sort of filled you in on that. In Jewish culture, uh, a man could help out his brother's or cousin's family by marrying his brother's widow and providing an heir for the dead relative's family. It was sort of the ultimate, you know, like make a wish list, like donate your kidney to your brother, you know, or cousin kind of thing. Only it didn't just cost you a kidney. It cost you your name, your future, and your fortune and wealth to do it. But Boaz could do this. He could buy back the poor family's land and legacy at his own cost. And Naomi, the shrewd old mother-in-law, knows this. So she hatches a plan that some might say would be a little unorthodox. In chapter 3, the plan was for Ruth to get dressed up and perfumed up and go down to Boaz's place after work and after he had had a few drinks that night and propose marriage to him. That was the plan. And if this seems like a kind of an indecent proposal... I wouldn't blame you for feeling that way. It's at the very least highly unusual. But the question is, what will Boaz do? And here in chapter four is where he begins to shine. Because on one hand, even after Ruth presents herself to him, he doesn't break the law of God, the moral law of God, and sleep with Ruth that night. He doesn't sleep with the woman he's not married to just because she appears to offer herself to him like it would be between two consenting adults, apparently, or because they were going to get married after all. Hmm? Again, he doesn't sleep with her, but on the other hand, he doesn't break the heart of God either and reject her proposal to redeem her family. See, Boaz is so unlike so many in our culture, and here's what I mean. In our modern moment today, culture, when we see people in plight, in pain, like a Ruth, we can go typically to one extreme or the other. We can just give in and cave in and compromise the moral law of God, especially when it comes to sexual ethics. And we say, hmm, it doesn't really matter what God's word says, God's moral law says, I just want to feel loved. I deserve it. Or we say, I want them, that group, some group to be loved. Or on the other hand, perhaps we'll turn away from those in need and pain on the outskirts of society, outskirts of the church, and we'll look at some group and say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Figure it out, y'all. Do better. But Boaz, oh, he's amazing because he doesn't compromise 
either the law of God or the love of God. He says no to any kind of indecent proposal, but he does say yes to Ruth's wedding proposal. And look at how he goes about it. Verse one, it says he went up to the gate. He sat down and then the the other close relative uh, passed by. So he said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down and he took 10 men of the elders of the city. There is the local government, you see, and said, sit down here. So they sat down. There's a lot of sitting down happening in Ruth. What's he doing? He's gathering government, friends. He comes out of the darkness in chapter three into the light of the public square in chapter four at the city gate and gets all kind of eyes up in his business. (laughs) He gets the town elders, Naomi's relatives, basically anybody going through the Bethlehem, you know, barley drive-through of the day. So as to honor the law of God and bring this relationship into the light so he and Ruth can indeed, consummate their union at the right time, in the right place. You say, well, Boaz, that's kind of nice. You know, my mama always taught me to go for an old-fashioned guy, you know, with some good morals. He's kind of like an aw shucks, down-home southern boy with, you know, good values his mama taught him. No, 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 that's not what's happening here at all. What Boaz is showing us is someone who understands the depth and the breadth of the entirety of the heart of God because almost everyone wants to either have love without the moral law of God or have the law without love at the center. And almost everyone, you know, this has like a bent or an upbringing or a particular political persuasion that sort of pushes them to do one or the other. And almost every church has this kind of bent too, I think. You see churches either abandoning the moral law of God in the name of so-called love, or abandoning the love of God in some twisted attempt to defend truth or his name or some principle. But Boaz, though he does neither. And I want to tell you, this is why you love Boaz. Would you like to know why you love Boaz? You're like, yes, I would like to know. It's because he does this. He doesn't say, well, I know what God's word says, but I'm smarter than God. And I'm more loving than God. So I'm just going to be led by my heart, which Jesus never says to do, by the way, and give in to what I feel in the moment. But nor does he say, oh, the law gives me the right to opt out of sacrificing and spending myself and giving everything I own to buy back Naomi's life. See, if Boaz had only followed his heart, we wouldn't be celebrating him here. But if he had only, on the other hand, followed the letter of the law and used the law, like the Jewish Pharisees did in Jesus' day, as a way out of loving people in hard places, we wouldn't be celebrating Boaz either. And I want to tell you, this tension is what makes the Christian faith what it is. It is not a traditional religion of laws and judgment, but nor is it some secular faith of wishy-washy, self-centered spirituality. But it is something that has this tension at the center. And if we let go of it, I want to tell you, we'll lose our uniqueness. If you let go of it, you'll lose your uniqueness and just blend into culture one way or the other. And if the church lets go of it, she will do the same. Boaz doesn't make a deal in the dark. Instead, he leads into the light with an amazing blend of law and love. 
And that's, I want to tell you, how you redeem a culture, how you redeem a family, how we redeem a life with law and love, truth and tears. So how can we shine today, be a light in the dark? It's to choose the same. Will you make the same choice as Boaz? That's number one. But Boaz isn't the only one asked to make a choice here. Number two, Bethlehem, the city itself, we're going to see, I love this, is also asked to make a choice. And if, if Boaz was the one shining in the first half, the city shines in the back half. Because after Boaz tells the city here his plan to redeem and marry Ruth, they get an opportunity to say something about it, to speak into the very future of their culture, city, nation. In this moment, when pressed to respond to Boaz's proposal, you've got to catch this, for an interracial and transcultural relationship to be brought and placed at the very center of the community, what would they say? Yes or no? Oh, well, amazingly, beautifully, they say yes. And here's what they say. All the people who were in the court and the elders say, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. So what are they doing? When they're, by saying yes to Ruth, they're cheering for. They're literally making space for ethnic diversity in their daily lives. The city itself is saying yes to a multi-ethnic, multi-generational vision for their future. And how do they do it? Here's how. To fight for their future, they picked up the past. To fight for their future, they picked up the past. A bunch of folks in first service liked that and kind of oohed and odd. No one here did. It's cool. We're going <laughs> to... That's all right. We'll, we'll try to get you there by the end of the second point. I'm working hard up here. All right. And here's how they do it. Look at what they say. They say, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. All right. Let's unpack that. A lot of name dropping. This is a reference to another super sticky, ultra saucy story of grace which you can read about on your own in Genesis, I think, 38 or 39, about another foreign woman brought into God's family line, again, back in Genesis. Her name was Tamar, who, like Ruth, was just trying to get her family line to continue. And though it was messy and though it was complicated, in the end, God used Tamar, a kind of an outsider, to help redeem the lives of God's people who needed redemption even more than she did. Though they couldn't see it. See, the people of Bethlehem are amazing here. They choose to learn from the past, from the injustice done by their own people in order to fight for their future. And here's why this point should be made and said. And this is why, hear me, talking about the past, even revisiting past injustices, like the injustice that Tamar bore, hear me, it isn't left-wing or right-wing. It isn't conservative or progressive. It isn't woke or anti-woke. Hear me. It's simply wise and biblical and scriptural. It literally helps us love people who are different from us better so we don't do that stuff again. I mean, aren't you glad, I am, that Bethlehem embraced Ruth? Yes. How do they do it? They brought back the past. They dug the past up, up, not in order to punish, but in order to create a better present. 
When I was in college uh, for a while, Carrie and I, when we were just friends, yes, for many years, <clears throat> we went to this little inner city church called ICOR, I-C-O-R, Inner City Outreach, also for First Corinthians, you see. 13, yes, and uh, in Houston, Texas, third ward, baby, and we and a couple of our friends, we were the only, as Galen said, first service, the only salt in the pepper shaker, the only, the only Caucasian folks present, however you want to slice that, but this church was amazing. They did have a heart to redeem the brokenness of the inner city, and they met, and they had purchased a former crack house, redeem the real estate there, uh, and though I was clearly the outsider, Carrie and I, super different. She's, if possible, more, more pasty than I am. Yes. Uh, they loved me. They loved care. They loved us. And they did two things that changed my life. First of all, they shared stories from their past about past instances of discrimination and racism they had faced. And although they loved Jesus deeply, they were born again, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, charismatic folk. They'd still faced a lot of stuff, and they'd for, though they'd forgiven those who wronged them, they shared what a toll that things had taken on their own lives. But we didn't only talk about the past, because like the Bethlehemites with Ruth, they brought me all the way in to the center of their community. And I love the story, told it before, here it is. Now, one night they, they came over to, uh, to my house, and, and they loved me through this little game I learned called Pass the Rap. Pass the Rap. And Pass the Rap for the uninitiated in the room. Goes like this, everyone in a circle, sits in a circle, and starts clapping in unison. This is a challenge for some of us. We noticed this this morning during worship. Uh, <clears throat> guilty as charged here. But there's a collective beat that's created, and each person in the circle takes turns doing an improvisational poem also known as freestyle rap. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and let me tell you, I was scared to death when they started passing the rap. And the rap's getting passed, and the rap starts coming my way. And the rap, when it got passed to me, I froze. And I tried to pass the rap before I even held the rap. Uh, but they wouldn't not let me go. And I mumbled something like, and I literally think this was it, uh, my name is Morgan, and I'm here to say... I love Jesus in a major way. And <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> it was terrible. It just was. But all those Jesus people cheered me like I was Lecrae or NF or somebody, you know, like, and I've, I've never forgotten it because they're saying, yes, we see you. You're different. You may be from Moab, <laughs> we may be from Israel, and your rap stinks. But you're one of us, one of us. And here this why, here's why this is, was and is so powerful for me because they weren't just saying to me, hey, we don't hate you. Hmm? They're not saying, come on in, we'll tolerate you. Ooh, I mean, could you imagine someone saying something like that to you? Come on in our house, community group. We don't hate people like you, no. I mean, love is not the same thing as not hating Love and not hating are not the same thing. Love is the Christian directive, injunction, goal, not not hating. See, my friends did both. They shared their pain, the past, and they celebrated my person. And this changed me, and I think it can change us as well. Number one, Boaz made a choice. Will you choose like him? Number two, Bethlehem made a choice. Will we choose like him? If you're saying, yes, I'd like to. 
Here's how we can do both. Number three, we, the audience, reader, people of God, have a choice to make today as well. Let's see it. The most powerful truth, I think, of the book comes in the last picture, last snapshot of the story where Boaz and Ruth, we read it, they've married and they have a child. And in the last few verses, we see Naomi, oh, the mother-in-law, with her grandchild, Now on her lap, she who once was bitter, uh, who once was empty, now she's full and content, pleasant once more. Now they've all got their friends gathered around them at the ultimate baby shower and happy ending. And right in the middle of the baby shower and happy ending comes this deliberate plot twist. You say, where is that? It's here in verse 14. Look at what the people of Bethlehem say to Naomi. They say, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Great. All right. May he, we think, the kinsman redeemer become famous throughout Israel. Your redeemer will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth away. You begin the sentence thinking they're talking about Boaz, but by the end, you realize they can't be. They say, Naomi, God has given you a redeemer. Your redeemer will redeem your life, save your life, become famous, and wait for it, wait for it. Your redeemer is a child, is a child. Ruth has given birth to him, the real redeemer. What's this? Wait, a baby born in Bethlehem? Is the real redeemer of Ruth what's going on? Oh, what's going on? Is the book is closing like so many great pieces of storytelling on a deliberate twist. It's telling you that the real redeemer isn't Boaz or Ruth as great as they are, but the real redeemer is yet to come because these are the last words of the book. So they named him, that is the redeemer, Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David, mic drop, story done, curtains down, lights on. The author says the future redeemer is the child now. And then David later, who was the greatest king Israel ever had. And therefore, in the light of the New Testament, we can see these women are both right and wrong. They were right because King David, like Boaz, was a redeemer, a mini redeemer in his day. A short-term, one-time king who united all the peoples in the land. Oh, but Jesus who came from the line of Obed, Jesse, David, and Ruth. Jesus is greater because he is the greater king who because of his death and resurrection now lives forever. He can and will unite all people's hearts for all time. See, the end of the book of Ruth says another redeemer is yet to come and today you can know he has in his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the one in the end the book of Ruth is really all about. And because this book points us to our great redeemer, we can know that this is true. We can know that when we like Ruth, when we choose to say the same powerful words that Ruth says to Naomi, when we say to one another, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. When we say where you go, I'll go. When we say what lands on your porch, lands on mine. We begin to set in motion the very thing that will bring redemption into our own lives. 
and has the power to redeem the world. When we, like Boaz, say to a Ruth, oh, don't go away from here. Don't go to another field. Stay here with me in this place. Yes, at Mosaic. When we say like Boaz to one another, oh, I'll redeem you. I will humble myself and pay the cost for you to be whole. And we say, like Naomi says to Ruth, oh, my daughter, my son, friend, brother, I want to find rest for your soul. Now we begin to create the very atmosphere that redeems us all in the end because we aren't redeemed by more separation. We aren't redeemed by more selfishness. We aren't redeemed by more focus on our wants, hurts, needs, preferences. Listen, even despite their flaws and sure mistakes, Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth through their multi-ethnic, multi-generational vision to one another and commitment to something greater than themselves, they actually bring redemption into the world. And I I believe, therefore, that you and me and what we are doing here can do the same kind of a thing because when we live lives like that, when we say words like those, we show people Jesus. When we cling to one another, when we ignore the words whispered to us in the world like Boaz's overseer who asked him, why would you want to love someone like that? When we ignore the people around us who act like the failed redeemer who could only think about what it was going to cost him to redeem another life like Ruth. When we do those things, oh, when we, we therefore bind up our future in one another and we prepare the way for our own deliverance, though we can't even see it at the time. See, what we are doing today at Mosaic Church, like Boaz, like Ruth, we are doing for our own future city, nation, children to create a different kind of a church and a different kind of a future. And that happens when we, like this small, multi-ethnic, multi-generational band when we bind up our future in one another. And I see a people here today like Boaz's, like Naomi's and Ruth's, some old, some young, some rich, some poor, some single, some married, some black, some white, Latino, Asian, and everything in between gathering around the Redeemer in their midst. I see a people like Naomi, as they hold the product of a multi-ethnic union in their lap, finding redemption and finding fullness and hope for a better future. I see Jesus being shown to the world through us, through worship, community, mission, over and over. And I see churches being planted and leaders being trained and disciples being made with the vision and the skills and the tenacity to bring that vision to pass. And I hear the voice of God saying to us as a church, well done, good and faithful servant. I hear the voice of God saying, you have been faithful with the little. I am going to trust you with far more. I hear him saying, though your work is great, and though the labor is costly, and though the price is steep, oh, but a sacrifice is, after all, where my fire falls. And as you sacrifice, and as you give, God, I hear God saying, my fire will fall, and redemption will come to many, and the world will see who I am. And here is my prayer to see that come to pass for us. May God God give us the grace to cling to one another like Ruth clung to Naomi. And may God give us the courage like Boaz to pay the cost to love someone else. And above all that, may God be glorified in our midst. And may we show people Jesus is here. That the world may see the true Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. And may his name become famous throughout the land. And may the hearts of many find hope when they look at us and they discover him right in our midst all along. Because, yeah, as it turns out, as it turns out, in the book of Ruth proves friendship really can save the world. 
hope you can say amen. Let me take a moment and pray that this would come to pass and be our future. Lord, we come today in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for what this shows us. Lord, all these truths, this vision, this life, this hope, this redemption. Lord, I'm praying we would embody this. Lord, let us gather around the Redeemer in our midst. Hold him up. Show him to the world. Lord, I desire, we desire for you to become famous. Help us to love into our future in this way. With all the grace and strength you provide in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.